Welcome to episode 156 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and today we're talking about parental bullying. Are you a bully? Do you know anyone who is a bully on the playground, maybe? I'm not talking about kids. We are talking about parents, and we're going to dive into parental entitlement as well. I've got a great expert on today, so here we go. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, friends. Hope you're having a great week so far. It's Halloween week. Do you have your costumes together? Uh, we went to Disney's Mickey's um, <clears throat> went to Disney for Mickey's Halloween adventure or Halloween party, I should say. It's more of an adventure for us uh, last week. And it was so much fun. It's kind of become a family tradition now. And we save up during the summer to go because the tickets are an extra cost and it's a little expensive. So we save up to go. And we put our costumes on. This year, we were the Evil Incredibles, which was a lot of fun. And people seemed to enjoy it. It was funny walking through the park because people would go, <laughs> and these kids would go, it's the Incredibles. And then the parents would look at our faces and be like, um, what? <laughs> because we drew like little evil mustaches. And, um, you know, uh, Chris calls it a flavor saver, which is disgusting. But... <laughs> It's basically like, you know, that evil mustache on. Um, so people seem to enjoy it. It was really fun. We had a good time with that. But now we are going to be dressing up again for our trunk or treat celebration that we go to. It's at our church every year. And um, it's a lot of fun. But we're just we're going as unicorns, which is super easy. Little unicorn onesies I bought on the interweb. And uh, so I'm looking forward to going again. Get some more candy. Lord knows we do not need any more candy. You know, every year I see people posting about like giving away apples and crackers and whatever. And I'm always like, give me all the candy. Now I have all the candy and I don't know what to do with it all. There's no way we could possibly eat all of the amount of candy that we got just from from Mickey's event and from other events we've been to. So we got a lot of candy. Um, what else is happening? Oh, I saw uh, Bohemian Rhapsody last week and I just did an article for NBCLA and uh, it was really good. I feel like it was really good. I I love the music though. I loved um, Rami Malek is was in Mr. Robot, and I've I've really like him a lot. Uh, he's very understated on Mr. Robot. Very chill actor. But in this, when he's p- portraying Freddie Mercury, who is just like this larger than life personality on stage. It was really, I mean, he did a great job. I thought he did a wonderful job. Some people are kind of poo-pooing the movie. They're saying it doesn't really show his personal life and all that stuff. But, I mean, the movie is about Queen, the band, and the music, and how it all kind of came together. And, you know, it's fun. I enjoyed it. So go see it. I have a lot of other movie stuff coming up this week. I'm going to see Disney's Nutcracker and the Four Realms, which I'm curious about. We are going to see The Grinch. I'm going to see Boy Erased and interview uh, Nicole Kidman, which I am so excited about. I love her. I I know some people talk about like, you know, whatever work she's done on her face, whatever. She looks beautiful. And I've always loved her. And I think I might, maybe I'll write something, a little something about it. But I remember when she first um, came out in that movie with Tom Cruise 
It was the race car movie, of course. Now I'm forgetting what it's called. But anyway, D- uh, Daytona? No. Ugh. Anyway. Um... <laughs> I loved her. I thought she was awesome because she was, she had red hair, she had freckles, um, and so did I. And I also had a crush on Tom Cruise. So I was like, oh my God, she's awesome. So I've always loved Nicole Kidman. And I think she seems, you know, like a very lovely person. And I just, I'm excited to sit down and talk with her again. Should be a good time. So speaking of good times, I am very excited to share this week's episode with you because this is a very... powerful topic. And some of you are going to relate to it. Some of you are going to say, that's not me. I don't know anybody like that. And that's fine. But parental bullying and parental entitlement is a serious problem. How many times have you been to a sporting event and seen somebody lose their cool, a parent lose their, you know what, on a ref or on another parent because their kid didn't get so many at bats or, you know, get to play a certain amount of time or at gymnastics, like your kid didn't make the team. So you, you know, there's, they bully the kids or they bully the other parents and make them feel bad. I've been watching dancing queen on Netflix with all these dance moms that are so competitive and they're mean to each other and they're mean to other people and other people's children. This one woman is literally screaming that her child is better than some other dancer and was angry that she didn't make the team and it is it is so frustrating to watch because here's the deal in part I'm I can see where they're coming from I'm a competitive person and I want to do well and I want my daughter to do well at everything but I have to keep myself in check because you certainly don't want your daughter to do well at the cost of somebody else doing worse. You don't want somebody else or somebody else's child to have something taken away from them so that your child can succeed. And that's what Dr. Romani is going to be talking about. This culture that we're in right now where parents think their kids can do no wrong. They are the best at everything. And the bottom line is they're not. Your kids are not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. And so this attitude of entitlement, like we are owed something for our status in life, how much money we have, you know, what our kid is capable of and all this stuff, it has to stop. And that's what we're talking about today. I have been bullied by other parents. I have been bullied by other moms here in LA um, to the point of tears. And it's not okay. It's not okay to treat other people less than you are or in your mind what you think they are less than you are. It's not okay. So I'm going to get off my soapbox for a second because I'm going to let my expert, uh, Dr. Romani, talk more about this. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And then share your experiences with me. Have you been bullied? Have you caught yourself being a bully to another parent or another child? Uh, let me hear you. I would love to hear from you guys. You can email me, Heather at motherhoodandhollywood.com. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and make sure you guys leave a review. All right. Here's my interview with Dr. Romani Dervasala. So right now we are going to be diving into a topic that I am fascinated by and I am so thrilled that we have an expert with us today, Dr. Romani Dervasala. She is a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at Cal State University here in Los Angeles. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm glad we were both able to get up early on this Saturday morning so we could have this conversation. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think all mothers know that mornings are where it happens, though. So right. that's yes, yes. Right, right. Much later in the day, and I'm like, I've got I'm too shocked. much going on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about, um, first of all, what do you do? What is here? I said you're a mm-hmm. clinical psychologist and mm-hmm. um, a professor of psychology. Um, tell me a little bit of, about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I am, as a, as a professor of psychology, I teach both undergraduate and graduate students at California State University, Los Angeles, which is a really great university because we have a, lot, we have a huge number of first-generation college students, so it's really exciting to sort of teach them psychology and really help them sort of explore and learn about themselves. And, and at the university, I do research on a variety of topics. I've, I've done research on health and, and mental illness and mental health. And a lot of my work is in an area called personality disorders. And that's how I sprung into my interest in my work on narcissism, which is probably what I'm best known for at this point. In my private practice, I work with lots of clients who have narcissistic partners, parents, um, adult children, bosses, and help them sort of navigate that territory. I've written two books. One of my books is sort of on health, wellness, and weight. It's called You Are Why You Eat. And my second book is called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with Narcissists, which is... um, uh, is a, it's a sort of like a survival, survival manual for anyone who's ever been in a relationship with a narcissist. And in my private practice, I do consulting, I do, um, I do, you know, direct therapy. And then I also have the opportunity to do international research. I have a visiting professorship in South Africa, the university of Johannesburg. And then I also, um, take students to India every year. And then I study this issue of narcissism, both dis- domestically and internationally. Okay, there is so much to So much. This. And I'm a mom. Most importantly for <laughs> you, I'm a mom. I have two mom. daughters. I have two daughters. Um, my older daughter is a first-year college student actually in Scotland at the University of Edinburgh. So I'm incredibly proud that not only oh, she's great. done that, but she's so courageous to move so far away. And my younger daughter is still in high school and um, is in ninth grade. And so, you know, anything I've done, I always do it better because I'm a mom and, you know, and it's a, it's a constant balancing act. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. So, but there's not a day. It's not both of those things. I hear you. I completely agree with that. I want to, um, well, we're just going to dive in because, Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about, first of all, the, the article that I was sent, um, Mm -hmm. that really caught my attention about parental bullies and parental entitlement. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think a lot of parents are in denial about. Yes. Um, but a lot of them do. Can, oh, yeah. Can you talk about what that is and um, like how we display it if, you know, if it's something mm-hmm. we do? Absolutely. Well, I mean, remember, to me, all bullying, <clears throat> excuse me, all bullying comes from a place of insecurity. Okay. Mm-hmm. And nothing brings out insecurity more than parenting. Every parent out there wonders if they're doing it right, if they're doing it wrong, if they're over-parenting, under-parenting. And if you add to that whatever pre-existing insecurities a person has, as well as the bullying they had, it's not like one day somebody hands you a baby and you become a nice person. Right. You know, some people, like, you know, they weren't always very nice. And, And I have to say, parenting can sometimes bring out the best of us, but it can also bring out the worst. Like I said, the insecurities, the competition. And so what you can see with parents is they'll go at each other. You know, in all the ways we went at each other as kids in high school, you name it. And what's so what's so difficult is I think a lot of people almost have their guard down when they're with other parents. It's almost like you feel like we're all on the same team, right? We all want what's best for our kids. Right. And so when a parent is bullied by other parents, I actually think they're really blindsided and they're mm-hmm. actually reluctant to label it bullying. 
Oh, sure, because then that means that they um, are at fault in some way. And we definitely are in a society where we don't want to put the blame on ourselves for anything. Nobody Mm-mm. nobody takes responsibility nope. for their actions or what they do, whether it's at work or at home. It's it's such a rare quality. It's something I actually talk to my daughter a lot about. Because mm-hmm. she'll, you know, when they're little, they tell little fibs and, you know, they because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble and whatever. But we teach her all the time, take responsibility. Mm-hmm. When you've made a mistake, own up to it, and it'll be far less consequences if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as parents, we don't. We don't. We, we don't take responsibility for the way we behave, and therefore our kids don't either. And it's kind of like this cycle um, that I, at least I have seen. Um, when you see parents, or when we talk about parents <clears throat> kind of bullying each other, is it is it to the detriment of other kids, or do you think it's more towards parents, or who's the who's the victim here? I've seen it happen both ways. I've seen parental bullying, you know, in its more classical format, it's parent versus parent, right? Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's one parent wanting something for their kid that they don't want another kid to have, whether it's they feel threatened by one parent and so they all kind of circle around her or him. It's, it's I hate to say it, it's often mothers, but it can be fathers too, especially when you bring things like athletics into the fold. However, I think in its more actually malignant form, it's parents who go after kids, you know, who like, you know, who might actually focus on a kid. And I have to say, Heather, in this, Heather, in this culture of excellence we have for these kids, like we, we expect them to be perfect at everything, the perfect dancer, the perfect cheerleader, the perfect football player, the perfect student, and then compete to get on the best team and to get the best award and to get the best university placement. It's starting to feel like a blood sport. So the bullying often comes from a place of, I want that for my kid and I'm going to actually push your kid out of the way. So it can happen for a lot of reasons and it can happen both parent on parent, parent on child, but nobody wins at this because to me, the ultimate bad lesson that's learned here is that the children are learning at a young age from the most influential model they'll ever have their own parent. Mm-hmm. that bullying is okay. And that's a tough lesson to break. Do you think that we as parents um, have trouble admitting that our kids are not perfect and that maybe, oh. maybe they're not the best cheerleader, maybe they're not the best athlete? I think it's tough. I mean, I, I do think that <clears throat> social, social media has made this so much worse mm-hmm. for parents because I think that now, it used to be like you, you'd be comparing yourself to your, um, your, your cousin or your sister's kids or the neighbor's kids or the other kids in your school. Now you're comparing them to every friend's kid all over the United States. Who has a viral video or whatever. Exactly. Whose kids, you know, I mean, I, I hate to think that enough people do enough to sort of, you know, modify and, you know, sort of, um, filter their own photos. I think they're doing it on their kids as well. Oh, totally. A lot of kids are, a lot of parents are sort of using their kids. That's what they post about. And so I think it sort of raised the competition stakes. And so they may be putting out this kid out there who's the best and look at us and look how wonderful my kid is. And meanwhile, that poor kid may be struggling with a lot of stuff. You know, we don't know that poor child may be struggling with smoking a lot of marijuana or they may be depressed or they may be struggling. Nobody puts that on social media. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you want to put that on social media. I don't think any child in the world wants to think their struggles are being made public. Mm -hmm. But in this competition that I think parents are feeling, you know, not only for themselves, but for their kids, I think it really, really does heighten the like. I mean, I do think that parents have a lot of trouble saying, you know what? No, my kid isn't the next big thing. I think everyone thinks their kid's going to be the next Olympian and the next 
next NFL player mm-hmm. and the next Nobel Prize winner. I mean, someone's kid's going to be. The right. odds are it's not yours. I and used, that's perfectly fine. I used to joke about how I was like, I want, I got to find a sport to get Channing into for the Olympics so that she can pay for college. Like sort of an off-brand sport, like, you know, like snooker right. or, you know, well, I don't know, yes, whatever. Yes, yes, yeah, off-brand, <laughs> like nobody else does. Nobody else is like, like trampolining, yeah. so, you know. But, um, and, you know, listen, we all have to catch ourselves and wonder how many of our own dreams we're channeling through our sure. children. Yeah. And that really increases the stakes. You know, because it's not just the poor kids. I don't even think the poor kids half the time can even articulate a dream. I mean, you know, and it used to be that kids wanted to be like firemen or mm-hmm. doctors. And now they're like, I want to be a YouTube, YouTube star. star. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. I have so <laughs> many mom friends that are already followed. talking about getting their kids in YouTube stars and uh, in, on YouTube or whatever. And, you know, I'm an actor and I love to perform. I love being in front of the camera. And that's something I have always loved doing. But people ask me all the time if that's something I want Channing to do with my daughter. And I'm hyper aware of making sure I don't push her in that direction in any way if it's almost to a fault because I don't ever want her to look back and go, mom, that wasn't my life. That wasn't my dream. That was your dream. Oh, heck yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's hard. It's it's very hard. And she has, you know, she has a very big personality and she loves to be a ham and she loves to be silly. But I, I always, always check in with her and make sure she's okay before we do anything, you know, video wise or anything like that. And, um, I just have to be very cognizant of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think we all do. And I think that I, I, listen, we're seeing it, sometimes in the most dark telling of the story, it's sort of the get rich quick scheme, right? My mm-hmm. kid's going to make, they're going to make their own college fund by the time they're 10 we by wish. being a YouTube star, <laughs> right? right? right. You know? <laughs> and I actually had kids in performing arts, really, really good at performing arts. And I'll never forget the day. And it was actually the day I was like, I think I did a good job. Both of them said to me, we love singing. We love all this, mm-hmm. but we don't like what you'd have to become to right. really succeed in that, this business publicly. My, my older daughter in particular, she, she loved singing and she hated singing in front of a group. And it was that day. I'm like, you know, even I caught myself. I'm like, oh my God, you have such a gift, you know, thinking. And I know for me, the narrative was, I never had that kind of a gift. Yeah. And then I thought, no, she has a gift. And perhaps the next time this voice is going to be heard in public is her singing to her own baby one day, you know, and then that's that, like you just, and that's a hard thing. Thing because when you see your kid excelling, your inherent is like ideas to push, and you'd even feel that tension amongst the other parents, and mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, what a talented girl you have! Is she mm-hmm. going on to great things? I'm like, if you mean, is she going home and going to bed? That's about as great as it's going to get. Right, right. Like, right. no, no. And well, so it is. It's hard. It's hard. it is hard because you do want to foster that talent. You do want to give yes. them opportunity because you know I look back on my own childhood, and there were several opportunities that my mom. Um, did not foster acting yes. in me in a young age because she didn't think it was, she just thought it was something fun I was doing. And I right. look back and I think, man, I really wish she would have kind of guided me a little bit more and encouraged me a little bit more in that way. Cause I feel like I could have gone a lot, maybe farther in my career or whatever, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, I'm sure. But then you also want to make sure that they're their own person and they're making yes. their own choices. And they're also so fickle. Like one minute, my kid could love princesses and the next minute she may love pirates, you know? So you don't want to necessarily push them into, you know, one thing and then find out, oh, they didn't really like that after all. That was just that one day. <laughs> you well, know? I think it is the cultivating <laughs> and, you know, and, and celebrating. Because, like, listen, we, uh, when you look at an average kid's life and how demanding it is, I don't know a single adult out there who is spending their days doing mathematics history, geography, biology, singing a song, hitting a soccer ball, like 
all of us usually do one thing as adults, you know? And I mean, I really think that the demand we have on kids is really high. And again, we've become hyper parenters in this generation. Mm -hmm. And what I think that has done, the hyper parenting, the competitiveness and the insecurity comes back to that recipe for parental bullying. And it's, and I really think it's setting a really bad precedent because we've become such a bullying world. And when the parents are part of that problem, we have a much bigger problem. Now, you talk about how parental bullying can have an effect not just on our own kids, but on other people's kids. How somehow we as adults and parents put blinders on and think our our kid is the best if my kid is going to get only the best, even if another child has to sacrifice something. What is that about? Why? How did we get to this point where we no longer sort of have this village mentality of helping each other's kids and, and that sort of thing? And I think a couple of things. Number one, entitlement has become the new normal. Mm-hmm. I think we have we start we start valuing and validating and rewarding that in kids, and then and the parents expect it, and so it's sort of a perfect storm right there. Number two, we don't live in villages anymore. People are moving around a lot more, and I don't think there's the same level of ownership. These aren't these aren't the people who've always been in your life. You have to really get into that mindset of whoever my child is playing with today, that's our village. And I have to really sort of, you know, I have to, we have to make this, all of these people have to matter today. I think we are moving around, especially those of us who live in big cities. You know, many of us came to this big city from another place, from another place. And, you know, the beauty of a a, a city is often that it's a mixing pot, but it also sometimes can mean we take less ownership. And I think finally, when you add to that, that competitiveness piece, I do think we've become such a success and achievement oriented society. We have forgotten things like social connection. Those are actually the things that get us through the days. Our tribe, the people around us, our community groups, our family groups, that's what matters. And we're we're starting to think we can do everything alone. I think technology has been a huge contributor to that. I can sit in my house all day and with my phone and my computer, I feel like I'm in contact with sure. everyone. And that's not true. And I think kids are spending more and more time in those electronic spaces and getting more and more sort of socially isolated. There's something very different in terms of cooperative play, well, even if it's a board game, than when it is a bunch of kids playing sort of video games simultaneously from multiple, multiple locations. I think all of that has very much driven this sort of zero-sum game culture. One person's going to win, one person's going to lose. I think the parents are buying into it. And I also think it's a time of tremendous insecurity. A lot of people, you know, as much as the economy may be doing well, I don't know this is doing well for everyone, in fact, not even most people. So people really think that if I could just get my kids set up right, everything's going to be okay, because I think a lot of people are struggling and they worry about their futures. So I think all of this kind of instability, insecurity, both at the individual and at the bigger societal level, is contributing to this competitiveness and this sort of social media of it all. And everyone looks, again, it's almost like a fast buck mentality and uh, celebrity mentality, right? Right. And that's, that's, you know, everyone wants their kid to be the next big thing. And, you know, they want to be the one sort of huffing proudly at the sidelines and look at, you know, they didn't get there themselves, so they're going to do it for their kid. And I do think that entitlement has really, really become the new normal. I blame the Kardashians. I did. I think a lot. Well, you know what? And then they were a symptom of a larger problem. Yes, right? Sort of yeah. the reality TV culture of like, you know, it became blood sport. It became the Hunger Games. Who were we going to sacrifice in the name of our entertainment to have one person left standing? But when kids are thinking being a YouTube star is a career path, 
I, again, I'm a college professor, and as much as I love my students, I can't get them to read more than two pages because <laughs> they're more interested in watching YouTube, which is ironic because now I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube, and at least now I know they're hearing what I'm teaching them. Yeah, so that's I good. figure you got to be there, like, you got to join them, right? Exactly, so exactly. It's it's no, that. it's true. They all want to be YouTube stars. I want mm-hmm. to be a YouTube star. Like, they make a lot right, of money. I'd, I'd love the money of a YouTube star because <laughs> right. God knows there's a mortgage to pay. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a word that I read a couple of times in your article that um, resonated with me because it's something I worry about a lot mm-hmm. with my own daughter, and that is empathy. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, a bit, it's the word of our time. It is, and I feel like it's something that signifies weakness for some people if they're showing empathy. And I feel like it's definitely something we have lost as a society. Nobody seems to care anymore. Nope. And it doesn't mean, you know, empathy and sympathy get mixed and, and, and uh, crisscrossed a lot. Like people get those confused, but I really focus on trying to teach my daughter to be um, empathetic because I can see something in her that if she doesn't find that side of herself, she can be a mean person. She could she could grow up to be that person that doesn't have empathy, and that worries me as a parent. It should worry you. It should worry all of us because I think that this uptick in sort of societal narcissism we're seeing is a byproduct of this sort of decrease in empathy. And I agree with you that empathy is, is we're sort of, it's slipping away because we do view it as a weakness, particularly in men, mothers of boys who are growing up to be young men. The empathy is often viewed as well. You're not going to be able to negotiate a deal as well. You know, you're not viewed as much of a player. So, and remember lack of empathy is a core, core of narcissism, right? Which is the core of half the problems we're having in the world right now. So it's a, I agree that we don't value it as much. I'll be frank with you. It's also very inefficient. If you're taking so much time trying to understand someone else's experience, you're not barreling to the finish line yourself, right? It's like you're running a race and you actually stop to help someone who's gotten hurt, then you may not win the race yourself. So I think that this idea that you know we're we're slipping away with this idea of empathy. Empathy is something we practice. It's something that takes time, but it's actually nothing more complicated than the than taking a moment to attempt to understand another person's experience, even though you're not having that experience yourself, even if you've never had that experience. It's just, it's again, it's a really honest attempt to understand what it is someone else is feeling. And that's that. But it takes a moment. It means you have to take an extra moment and not make it just about your feelings, but understand someone else's feelings as well. The the responsibility for teaching empathy sits squarely on the shoulders of parents. I remember uh, looking at my ex-husband, my, my kids were young, and I said to him, I said, I really think we've got one job, other than making sure that these kids don't hit, get hit by a car and don't get super sick. I viewed my only responsibility as that he has parents is to teach these children to be empathic because you really only get one crack at that. I got plenty of patients coming into my practice at the age of 30, 35, 50, who never learned empathy as kids. Mm. I can't teach it to them as adults. It's too late. Is it too you late? Can't, it's like a language. It's like a language. You got to learn it young or you're never going to quite speak it right. You know, mm. and so it's really that that is something you learn young. It's actually there's areas of the brain 
that are, are actually, you know, used to access empathy. And if you don't use them, you lose them. And so we've got to teach, we've got to teach this in schools. We, we're so obsessed with, we got to teach five-year-olds how to code. Uh-uh. <laughs> we got to teach five-year-olds how to be empathic. It's the so coding funny. we'll figure out. There's actually a magnet school in our school district that's just for coding. And I remember telling my husband, like, that's so cool. She yeah. could be coding computers by the time she's in fifth grade. I think she would be miserable. But yeah. I- She'd have, like, She'd have a job. She'd have a Yay. job. But I think that we need a we need a magnet school that teaches kids empathy because I think a lot of kids aren't getting it at home. I think a lot of people are unhappy. They themselves aren't receiving or giving empathy. Remember, empathy is a two way street. You know, it does help to get some to give some. I think a lot of people give empathy even if they don't get it back. Yeah. That's what's amazing. It's sort of like an unending reservoir if you've got it. Yeah. But it sure as hell helps. It's you know if some of it's coming back at you. And I do think that we've become, again, so achievement oriented that when you're focused on an outcome, on a win, on getting an A, on getting into college, on getting onto the right team, empathy is not what, not, empathy is not part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And it, it really, and there is a difference between empathy and sympathy. There's even a difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy is very much, it's both an emotional, but it's also a cognitive, a thinking experience. Like what is this person going through? So when you feel um, tempted to walk into a store and start screaming at a clerk, who may not be on their game, think, is it possible that something tough might have happened to this clerk today? Maybe I can approach them from a place of kindness to begin and take it from there, because that's always a great place to start with people. But you're right, in our society, like, I don't want to show any weakness. And we live in a world where empathy is equated with weakness. And, and we're in trouble as And that's sad. I know. We're in trouble. Just, yeah, that's, that's a tone for bullying. I mean, anyone who bullies shows no empathy for the other person. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. So if we had more empathy, I think we'd see less bullying. Um, I know that I, he, here, and I don't know if it's just maybe more prevalent in Los Angeles, in the city we live in, where everybody has a, there's a, an unending wealth and opulence and opportunity and, yes. you know, and that sort of thing for, for some people. Um, and, um, cause I personally, I have experienced parental bullying and parental mm-hmm. competition in mm-hmm. particular in the mommy blogging scene, you know, with, mm-hmm. with other, with other moms who, you know, we're all supposed to be like, Oh, look, we're all so happy and fun and you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but it's this weird competitive, um, yes. Well, how did you get invited to that party? Or how did you get Mm -hmm. that moisturizer? And why didn't my daughter get these clothes? And Mm -hmm. it's this weird energy in this mom community Mm -hmm. that I've sort of found myself in. Because I'm an actor who just started a podcast and then kind of launched my website from there. So I come from the acting community, which is very much like supportive. Like, what do you need? How can we help? Like, let's do a scene together or whatever, you know, like... Um, but this is a different environment for me and, and I still struggle with, wait, are we friends? Are you competing with me? I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. And so when, that's why it's so much of this resonated with me because it feels very much like parental bullying, parental entitlement. And I don't know how to wrap my head around it cause I'm not necessarily that kind of person. So I struggle with what do I do? How do I address it? when I feel like someone is bullying me or being mm-hmm. weirdly competitive with my child, you know what I mean? Like, how do we address that? I mean, I think as a, you got to remember is when you become a parent, you might start becoming friends with people you wouldn't ordinarily become friends with. That's true. Be- you know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. the child is the gateway at that point, right? Your child may go become friends with someone and that person's parent, you wouldn't have given them the time of day. You have nothing in common. I ran right. into this <laughs> left and right with my kids. Right. And so, um, 
it is, there is that, that issue right away. You're being put together with people you wouldn't have ordinarily necessarily have chosen. But I think you raise an important point, which is what if this is happening to me? I mean, I mean, this world of parental entitlement, parental bullying, parental backstabbing, you, you always have, I think anytime it's an issue that relates to your children, your children have to become your true North. What's good for my child? What's healthy for my child? It's really easy to want to get into the mud on our own stuff but it's always about the child. And so if this friendship that your child has with this other child is a friendship that those two children have created as something respectful, kind, reciprocal, safe, it's a, you see your child thriving in this friendship and it's something you want to cultivate. You want to help them cultivate that in a way you feel comfortable with. You don't have to become that other mother's best friend. You don't even have to be her friend. But what you can do is really step up and create circumstances where your child can have an opportunity to be with this child. Maybe you be the one who volunteers your home. It may mean that you have to stick your neck out more with time. Like, I'll take them to the park and you don't need to come. You know, and, and so I do think it's really about, you know, making this about your child. You may also not like the culture of the home that other parent has made because if you're, if that mom's bullying you, she ain't all that. Right. right so right. you may want to, you know, it does sometimes mean that delicate balancing act of how do you kind of keep your, cause your kid might say, no, no, I want to go to Mary's house. I want to go to Mary's house. And you're like, oh, I don't really want you to go to Mary's house. If there's a young child, you may have to suck it up. And yeah. go sit with Mary's mom and just sort of nod politely and sort of pretend you're dealing with your drunk old aunt, you know, like, uh-uh, <laughs> you know, and realize it's temporary and you don't have to get into it. But what can happen in these situations, Heather, is being with these moms who are hyper competitive and even bullying is that you start doubting yourself after those interactions, oh, right? Absolutely. You're like, oh my God, like I didn't put her in ultra algebra camp when she was six years old. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? I feel terrible. I, I missed this. Oh, I thought we were supposed to have fun camp and they've gone to, you know, science camp. And I'm like, you know, so I think parents get really freaked out. It's really, really important that every mom have their community of healthy moms, moms who aren't bullies, moms who are collaborative. And they may not even live in the same town. A lot of my best mom friends were on the East coast and I'd pick up the phone. They're like, that LA sounds crazy. Like, you know, you're doing a great job. So you may have to sort of endure the difficult moms. Don't go, don't get sort of, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And make sure you have your community of unconditional, loving, collaborative village moms, if you will, and turn to them after those interactions and say, I just had a rough one, mm-hmm. but understand you did this for your child, you know, and also you never want to throw another parent under the bus in front of your kid. I've made that mistake. You know, I'd leave the play dates with my head in my hand saying, oh my God, you know, <laughs> and I, feel, I really feel bad about that because I shouldn't have painted that other parent in such a negative light in my child's eyes because that's her friend's parent, you know, yeah. and so it's almost like when you're going through a divorce, you don't want to throw the other parent under the bus as much as you may not like them. It's the same thing, you know, because that other adult is meaningful to another child. So it's really about making sure you've got other safe spaces, whether that's friends, whether that's your own partner, or even that's therapy where you come in. And I've actually worked with many clients here in the LA parenting scene, helping them sort of negotiate these really shark infested waters of competitive parenting. But I do think it's about keeping your child as a true North, making sure you also take care of you and then try to sort of steer that friendship ship in a way that you feel like you have a stakeholdership in it. You know, more than a few times I volunteered, even when I couldn't afford to financially or time-wise, I'll take you guys just so I didn't feel like they were in an environment with some parents I wasn't as much a fan of. Oh, there's so much. Like, I just, my mind is going to be racing (laughs) because I feel like it is hard 
already as a parent, like we're already dealing with so much stuff in our mm-hmm. own home. We, we do want to make mm-hmm. sure our kids are safe. They're not, you know, getting into trouble. They're learning. They're, you know, and then to also have to parent another parent in some way and like parent our relationships with other parents is, um, it, it just gets to be a lot. So I, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm it's so exhausting. glad you're, you're breaking it down a little and like, you know, mm-hmm. helping us take small bites and, and chunks of it to be able to manage mm-hmm. it. Um, one of my favorite classes in college was psychology, the 101, my, right. my very first psych class. Um, I just remember my psych teacher was so crazy and fun. And I say crazy like I probably shouldn't oh, say we crazy always to, a psych, to, a, to a psychology person, but she was so crazy, but like in a fun way, mm-hmm. um, always like quirky and, and, you know, it just made me really fall in love with it and fall in love with it as a topic. And, and um, so I, yeah, I, I could honestly sit here and talk to you for hours, but I know we both have lives and we both need to get on with our day. Um, but I'm honestly so grateful for you taking the time to talk about this. And can you tell everybody where they can get your yeah. books and find more information about you? Absolutely. And I also want to lead out with like, we ha- we are doing um, an event through Tone, you know, which is how actually you and I connected. Mm-hmm. It was that blog I did for Tone, which is a woman's online network, a subscription network where you can get all kinds of this information. And we actually have some live online events um, this coming week. So if you go to tone.com, you can subscribe to that and hear more of the events we're having around parental bullying. You can find more about me at uh, my website, drromney.com, which is D-O-C-T-O-R-R-A-M-A-N-I.com. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Romney as well. And um, my first book is called You Are Why You Eat, which is an approach to authentic eating. My second book, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist is also you know out there as a survival manual. I have a third book coming out next year called Don't You Know Who I Am? Staying sane in an age of entitlement, narcissism, and incivility. It's, it's the survival manual for all human beings at this point. That'll be coming out next year. And all of my books are available on Amazon, all online booksellers. And you can always ask your own local bookseller to order it because we all want to make sure that some local bookstores stay in business. <laughs> right, and, right. <laughs> um, and then we ourselves are actually doing a live event here in Los Angeles on October 27th in Burbank. We're doing a live Q&A on narcissism, basically everything you've ever wanted to know about it, whether it's your your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, or your boss, or your best friend. And so lots of stuff going on, lots of live events, uh, online, you name it. And so I thank you so much, Heather, for having me on your show. You're welcome. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and I hope that this sparks a lot of conversations um, Me too. Um, in homes and with parents and among moms and dads. So thank you so much, Dr. My Mom. pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye All right, now. everybody. That is going to do it for me. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.